Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to learn from Dr. Allison J.K. Allison has practiced mind, body, and energy healing for over 25 years. She has created Vibrational Upgrade System, which helps people live abundant and healthy lives. So, Dr. Allison, thank you for coming on today. I'm excited to learn from you. And I'm sure the audience is excited to learn from you as well. But I like to open with this question, and it's, what got you started? Like, what got you into that field? What kind of was your first draw to it? Because it's something I, I've i quite frankly never heard of, and I think other people haven't as well. So what kind of got you into that field? Well, Vibration Upgrade System is what I created after decades of studying, learning, practicing with clients in, on myself first, a half one half of my background, which is energy medicine, and the other half is yoga and meditation teacher. So I learned five energy medicine modalities along the way. Um, and this was living in Asia for 10 years, studying subtle energy and consciousness. So at the seat of where they understand it. So that's a start to answer your question. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I like that. So another question that comes up is what what's energy medicine? I know kind of what meditation is, consciousness, all that, but... What's energy medicine? I don't really know what that is. That's a great question. All right. So let me answer it this way. When I was going for my PhD and I started to write what I thought was going to be my dissertation, I was in my ninth of my 10 years in Asia. And it was I was a, a teaching at an international school and an administrator. And um, let me back up. I entered in my bachelor's as a psych major in three semesters in. I was horrified because I just wasn't learning at all what helped me be like the happiest, most thriving version of myself, which is why I was in there yeah. and, help, and help others do that. Yeah. It was just so much focus on hardwiring and on them proving to be a hard science and on them applying what they learned to capital gains, like industrial management or capitalism, not capital gains. So it just wasn't hitting the mark. And I changed majors. And so I spent, I have spent the rest of my life basically answering that question. How do we be the happiest, most thriving versions of ourselves? And I was led to the holistic model, working with our system of subtle energy and consciousness. So go back to that time in Taiwan in my second to last year. I'm in my ninth year there after work as a teacher and administrator. I had a side gig running these energy medicine sessions still to expats and uh, locals. So after the gym, after grading students' papers, I'd be at this traditional tea house, sitting, seated on the floor, drinking tea wow. and writing my dissertation. Yeah, it was cool. And um, where it led me was really understanding that, man, if we in the West had any understanding of the value of knowing about the, our consciousness and our subtle energy system, we would have so much more thriving it's like we, we maintain, we improve our homes we, we, and our the value of our homes. We maintain and improve our cars. We get them cleaned. What about this? Our mind, body, spirit system and learning how to optimize our most fundamental system that lives in those houses and drives that car. Exactly. I think, I think you hit that right on the mark. I think oftentimes, right, we get so focused on the material things, which don't get me wrong. It's fun sometimes, right? You like driving that car. You like having that house. But then at the same time, right, we sometimes lose that focus for like, hey, 
we're the we're what matters, right? Like none of this stuff that we're building for that matter wouldn't even be there if it weren't for these lovely hands that we have here, right? And yep. I think that's yeah, I think that's important. So what what's kind of I guess the difference? What kind of happens then on uh, Eastern? Is that the correct Eastern side of culture? If the West doesn't do that, what what's different there? Well, I mean, we had it in the West, right, Josh and listeners. We had this like up until I want to say through the Middle Ages into the Enlightenment time. We had it, and then it went underground. The alchemists went underground. Um, that knowing went into the mystery schools, and so church and state, or pardon me, church and science took over, and so church took over the supernatural and owned that domain, and science took over explaining what was physically tangible and, the, and in the Bible. I, I trace back to this. I ended up going here in my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong? So we in the West have, particularly in America, because we've proven ourselves or had to prove ourselves as a colony. So we had to get really self-sufficient quickly and to separate from the crown. Um, aspect of focusing on productivity in mm-hmm. our cultural conditioning and our unconscious bias, right? And in the measurement being on the physical plane. And that includes our medicine being focused on the physical only and not going much deeper. And even when it does go deeper, it's looking at stuff that's a lot of the time spiritual from a psychological perspective, which is limited. And it's from a what if there's something wrong perspective. Remembering that the title of my first book is what if there's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the biggest book in all of our medical books and texts. It's the list of diagnoses In, in Buddhism meditation. So yoga has eight limbs to it. And it's only one limb that is about the body postures in the studios that we all go and do our asanas mm-hmm. and have our yoga classes. Five of those eight limbs are about working with our minds and our consciousness. Interesting. And that consciousness cor- corresponds to and connects to our, what it distributes throughout our body, the less blocked we are at unconscious and subconscious and even conscious mind levels. So there's a way to work with our system to not just maintain it, but to optimize it. And the recognition of both quantum physics and like traditional Chinese medicine that comes from Taoism. Taoism is the one that created the yin yang and Qigong, mm-hmm. which Tai Chi then stems from and all martial arts stem from Qigong and acupuncture. And so the tenant there is where Qi goes, where energy goes, blood follows. And I add to that where consciousness goes meaning where our focus goes, mm-hmm. energy follows, and then blood follows, meaning both quantum physics and a 5,000-year-old understanding is the inside matters more because it's creating the out- what shows up on the outside. So you said what we can do with our hands, and I'm thinking from my background and perspective, everything that is showing up in our physical world is a reflection of us, what's going on inside, and our power actually isn't control over what's outside of us, it's working with what's inside of us to shift in whatever ways we need to shift in order to create something that makes us happier, rather than suffering, struggle, or crisis being needed to get us out of our everyday zombie-like state mm-hmm. and, and choose something to, and see other possibilities even. I think you're right. I think oftentimes we we find that sometimes, right, our focus isn't the wrong areas, right? We don't. Yeah. We, we kind of shift and we're like hyper focused on these things. But I, I guess something that came up, I'm, I'm a little confused how quantum physics kind of plays a role into this. I, I mean, you kind of threw that in there, but I'm not too familiar. I'll admit with that, but 
I'm kind of curious how that kind of plays a role. I, I know for me, one of the ways that helps people understand the way the non-measurable or more difficult to measure non-physical or meta, meaning beyond the physical, metaphysical stuff, that's invisible basically. One of the ways to come to understand how the invisible works is through science. It's a great bridge for us Westerners, particularly us Americans. And I tend to have done that research. And that's why a lot of like the accountants, the lawyers, the doctors, the politicians, the business owners who come to work with me, come to work with me because they appreciate that intellectual approach. So I use quantum physics. I go through it quite thoroughly in my first book of the four that I've written, the most science is in there because science is a way for some people to validate what they don't yet understand. So in quantum physics, if you think of the old, we could say, and I do say this, that quantum physics is the scientific basis for the times we're living in now, whereas we are coming out of, or have just come out of a time based on centuries of living from Newtonian physics. What I mean by that is in Newtonian physics, it was Isaac Newton uh, supposedly, you know, Cambridge and Oxford kind of go back and forth, but no, it's this tree that he studied, he saw the apple fall from over in England. But wherever it was, Isaac Newton saw gravity at work. So that was predictable. It's like, then you can translate it to like playing a pool game. If you have a cue ball here and a cue ball there, and you hit your stick a certain way, you can predict that the ball that you want to go in that pocket will go in that pocket. It's predictable Mm -hmm. gravity. Right. But we've moved into a time now and it took about 100 years in the halls of orthodox science to actually shift. And from a, a, um, an experiment that went on, I believe, in the early 1900s at this point, where it was in the scientific experiment, understood that they could no longer see the creators of the experiment as objectively viewing the outcomes of the experiment they had designed in a controlled lab setting. That in fact, what was happening in the controlled experiment in the lab was being influenced by their expectations. Hmm. So what that and why that took you got it why that took a hundred years is because it rocked the halls of science, saying we can't study stuff objectively anymore outside of ourselves. And so quantum physics then also eventually began to start to say, okay, so underneath all matter, all physical matter is all it's all energy. And the reason why my hand just motioned like that is because it acts like a wave. All energy acts like a wave. And so under physical matter that we can see and point to and say that's real and and get proof of, everything's working like a wave. And what collapses a wave of energy into physicalizing as a particle is repeated thoughts of the same kind and intense emotional thought and feeling that captures it all at once, like a trauma. So if we are actually the effectors of what gets created into the physical, then it behooves us to work with our creative faculties. Hmm. That's interesting. A lot of things I didn't, I'll be honest again, I don't know much. So what you're kind of saying here is that originally we thought that, you know, kind of matter is like, you got your solid liquids, uh, gases, and then now it's waves and it's like more fluid, more, again, please correct me if I'm wrong. I like, so you just said solid matter. No, it's, it's perfect. That you're repeating it back. It's perfect so that you can, we can get your understanding right. Remember I was a classroom teacher for 12 years. So solid matter, you just said, right? 
And this is intelligent mm-hmm. conversations, right? So we're having intelligent yeah. conversations. So solid matter, what's behind the different presentations of matter, the categories you were using, I'm talking about even beyond that. It's not like another category of matter. It's in fact what's behind all matter, whether it's a gas or it's a solid or it's a liquid. So what's the behavior behind what creates all matter is actually energy. It's like the the feeling or the energy that's released when, let's say if you were to like burn some solids or something like that, like coal, for example, it gives off a certain amount of energy. Is that kind of what you're getting at? No. All right. So now let me take it here. It's all good. No, this is perfect. So in Tibetan Buddhism, which is one of the branches of Buddhism, because yoga, pardon me, Buddha took the five legs, like I've already talked about, out of the eight that mm-hmm. yoga is, left the body postures, the breath work, which is another one, and the tr- chanting, which is another one, took all of that stuff out and just t- took the five limbs of focusing on our minds and how to work with them and created what we know as Buddhism and the focus of meditation. Then he traveled up north from India through Tibet, over to the east, through mainland China, up to Japan, and down through Southeast Asia. So there's three branches of Buddhism. In Tibetan Buddhism, they have a spectrum. Here on one end of it is subtle energies, and on the other end of it is physical stuff. And so what they call the physical stuff in their spectrum is crude. So it's subtle energies and crude. And the reason why they call it crude is not because it's gross or yucky or, or... perverted because it's unwieldy, physically unwieldy. So it's crude. So mm-hmm. there's a spectrum from increasingly subtle to then over to the other side of increasingly more physicalized. Gotcha. So it's the difference between like the physical and the non-physical. Is that? Yes, there it is. <laughs> awesome. So that being said, how is there like a gray area? I would say maybe like whether you can be both in the physical and the non-physical is kind of. Yeah, dude, you are right now. And so am I, it's the term metaphysical. And so by understanding how consciousness interplays with the subtle energy system in our bodies, because there's a map, there's uh, different, let's say urban centers, mm-hmm. right? Where a lot of the congregates and we have more control over how, what's happening. So yeah, there's, at the same time, I am physical with these shoulders of yeah. mine, right? And this here of mine. Behind that physical is the metaphysical, which meta means beyond the physical. And it's the stuff I'm talking about that actually creates the physical. Huh. I, I've never thought of it like that. I mean. Yeah, I know. We're conditioned. We don't understand. That's why I'm talking. Why, why, do, you, <laughs> why do you think that is? We have, uh, it's not the tradition in the West. We used to know this. Uh, the secret societies, the mystery schools. Uh, I mean, you could even, I could go off on a tangent right now about that Jesus himself was a part of the Essene mystery school. And so was Mary Magdalene. And then that was, and that was based on Egyptian mystery schools. And then all of that went underground after the crusades, once the church started taking over more power. So this stuff that is now like, it's not, it hasn't been talked about for centuries. So there's an English guy I remember saying, because I go there twice a year and my students follow me from, and they fly in from anywhere around the world and everywhere, and they get trained in vibrational upgrade system or they up-level the level they're at. And I take them to stone circles and really cool sacred sites. It's really fun. And when I was there, one guy was saying, you know, we have become overly rationalistic. We need to bring back in more balance with the magic. Huh. 
That is an interesting. Let me give you this. Let me give you this too, because I remember I was dating a Chinese guy in Taiwan, and I remember like I had, and, I, and I'm different. Like my longtime clients and students have given me the nickname "Beast of Manifestation," because I'm, I'm teaching them how to manifest, you know, out of the non-physical into the physical, something that they want, whether it's changing their business because their business has become too hard and unfun into something lighter, easier, and more fun and more money, or it's a new relationship, or it's like better health or new life path, whatever. So why I'm saying this is when I was dating this Taiwanese Chinese guy, I remember the difference. And again, keeping in mind, I'm different between I, my willingness to take action and his dreaminess. So there's a balance point, right? Between the orientation to the physical and the orientation to the interior mm-hmm. or the orientation to the physical and the physical. And so they, there's a sense of, you know, balance being needed between both sides of the globe. So, I mean, this is kind of something I'm stuck on right now is, I mean, I didn't know there was mystery schools, but what, what is that? And then how did those kind of fall from existence is kind of my second question. So mystery schools are, um, ancient wisdom of, of universal laws and of how it works and of how to contact more empowerment from the invisible realms to have more thriving in the physical realm okay. on earth. So there's more than one, uh, you kind of threw a word in there, realm. What, what do you mean by that? Other area to go to different than where I live my day to day. So I guess what I'm kind of getting at is I don't really know how, like, because when I hear realm, it's like different, different places you can be at once. And yep. I mean, so like if you were to go down like the religious pathway for some of those people, would it be like heaven and hell type of thing? Is that maybe a good comparison or? In a way, it's a, it's a comparison. I don't know if it's accurate, um, you know, because if we look at hell, another definition of hell is when you're full of negative, fearful thoughts. That's, that's actually mm-hmm. hell. That was the actual meaning of hell. It's not actually the sin and the eternal torture that the church has communicated that hell is. Um, there is a committee of Nicaea. You could look this up. In the 400s AD in Rome, they met. It may not have been Rome at that point, but it was in Italy. And they took reincarnation out of the Bible as well as rearranging other stuff, once Christianity had started to pick up, once Jesus and his followers stopped being persecuted by Rome, and instead Christianity started to take over and hit momentum, in the 400s, the church met at the Committee of Nicaea, and they took stuff out of the Bible and changed stuff in order so they could have more power. I don't know if you remember the Crusades, mm-hmm. the Middle Ages, they had the Crusades, yeah, and that was the church. Yep. Yeah, so... What I'm talking about is not meant to um, diss the church or diss temples or diss okay. synagogues by any means. It's just, it's beyond that. It's it's looking into the, the whole truth instead of half of the truth. And because there's been, and I'm not saying there hasn't been abuses of power in Asia, for sure, and it's still going on. Um, but, here, <laughs> you know, but there's been certain certain weaving out of more of the feminine, which is the invisible spectrum, like the intuitive faculties, for example, and the masculine, it doesn't matter. It's in each of us. It doesn't matter your gender. We're not talking about genders. 
and the masculine is more like the outward stuff, like action. So the moon is related to the yin or the feminine. If you think of the yin yang, the masculine is related to the sun or the black part of the yin yang. So there's the interior world and there's the exterior world. And the church really wanted domain over both. And it was a suppression of the information about how to work the interior so that they could have the power over people to do that, be dependent upon for that in their connection, each individual's connection to God and gain money and power. I mean, dude, I don't know if you know this, but like, it's crazy. In the Middle Ages, there were these relics that, I mean, so when you, let me give you an example. In Glastonbury, UK, there's the Glastonbury Abbey ruins. And in there, there's supposedly the bones of King Arthur and Queen Guinevere. The monks, and it's doubted that it's actually true, and what's really thought is in cynicism, but possibly accuracy, the monks came up with that because it was a big business, pilgrimages to sacred sites in the Middle Ages, and the more holy or um, well-known relics you had of a person like King Arthur, the more business you're going to get of donations so people can not go to hell when they come visit your holy relics and get relief from disease or relief from suffering. That's interesting way i i've never again this is a new concept to me and I, i've never thought of things like that so i guess my next question would be if let's say i mean you kind of threw in that like lawyers business owners those type of guys that come to you you know to kind of understand that more if someone let's say comes to you and says hey i want to i want to know more about myself and then uh i want to make more money, be, but I'm, I'm miserable in the business I have right now. How do I keep profits where they are, but then make sure that I'm actually liking what I do type of thing? What's kind of your advice for them there? Well, I have to work with them in a way that I can listen to some of the things they say about their how they're approaching their business now. And then I can use my honestly highly tuned intuition that will almost instantly perceive where their unconscious and subconscious is holding biases or traumas or conditioning or imprints. And then I'll do, I'll use the vibrational upgrade system. I'll use my energy medicine to go in and clear that. So now there's an opening so that now they can have a new neurological track to start to think a new way, open up their perspective so they can start to see new possibilities. And I bring those possibilities in with other work I'm doing in and around the energy around what's called their field. So we end about six feet out in front of ourselves and then the greater field takes over. So then I help do things to help them be more connected to the greater field so that they can then bring in more possibilities for the new to emerge. So it's a gradual interior and exterior work that I'm doing with them. Huh. That's, that's cool. I think you're, that's awesome thing. So how does this, how does this system uh, work? What's like, kind of your typical strategy how do you kind of approach things what i just said oh this is that's how the system works is you kind of i guess i didn't really understand it so could you kind of let's say that so i have a lot of people who come to me the reason why i use the examples i did before of lawyers etc is because i was showing how a lot of intellectual people come to mm -hmm. me to get stuff explained but it's not just, I mean, I have a lot of people who've never gone through college coming to work with me too. They just know that they've worked on themselves for a long time. They feel stuck. They want to stop feeling stuck. They want to get their lives lighter and feeling less depressed and moving forward. There's those people too. And then there's other people who've worked on something for a long time. And there's other people exactly like what you just said, 
they they all of a sudden in their lives feel like they want more or better or easier time in an area of their life, whether it's their romance or their business or uh, finances or whatever. So they come to me and I um, listen to them talk about, let's, let me take a real example. A woman who didn't have a lot of confidence, she wanted, and she, she didn't have a lot of money and she was tired of str- struggling with money and um, her self-esteem, lack of it. And so she came in and I sensed why she was low in confidence and it related to some childhood traumas. And so I used the energy medicine in the way I know how to, and I cleared those traumas. And then I used, that's one half of vibration upgrade system. And then I used the other half to coach her into taking that new consciousness that's no longer blocked in the back in the sub of the unconscious and help create new neurological pathways by coaching her and doing more energy medicine as she's in her daily life. So she can see new possible choices she could be making makes those and it starts to create a new life. So we shift the energy. We then take her off the old neurological path of thought, the patterns mm-hmm. where you typically go. Cause one thought, you know, you have those, some thoughts you can just have as floaters and other ones automatically trigger like five more thoughts and you're ending up down that pathway mm-hmm. over and over again. So, so taking off that well-worn pathway and bringing on to a brand new one and creating that new pathway where it's more of what she wants, like more confident and more self-esteem and more money. And so one of the things that happened was she shocked herself by buying herself a, a new red car and, um, And she felt hotter in it. You know, she felt like, so it was a a marker for her of having more money and more confidence, the color and style of the car she chose. So, I mean, that was after three months of working with her, might've been five months actually, as well as she took off some weight. She got a lot lighter mentally, a lot more positive thinking. Um, I think that she started a new relationship and more self-aware of her negative thoughts and more capable of redirecting herself into thinking in a new way um, because we had taken up so many, we had cleared, uprooted so many of the stuck energies that lead to your predisposition to think a certain way. You can correct me, please interject. So I kind of have this analogy that's been building up in my mind. So it's kind of like the, let's take the Amazon river, for example, right? It branches off into multiple things. And if we're, let's say example with your client, they come to you with Let's say they they lack confidence and they want to make confidence. What you are trying to do is remove the dam that's blocking up that river and trying to create more pathways once the dam is freed. Is am I is that like a good analogy or what's kind of your thoughts there? Yeah, but you could also the only other the only change would be after the dam is broken, it's not creating more pathways. It's could be creating more pathways if that will help them, or a singular one that's that's the positive, like having confidence in a more robust. So it's a rushing river, not just a bunch of different pathways. It's a rushing river. So the confidence builds more and more and more. And then it's exponential from there. It can be. Yeah. It depends on how long I work with me and how much I get cleared and what I get cleared and what I'm able to activate. Cause it's not just about clearing. It's also about act, how their half is activating them to see that, that they have confidence to see their confidence, to make new choices, confident with that will create her life showing up as her more confident. So I don't just remove the negative. I also replace it with the positive messaging. Gotcha. So it's, I'm, I'm going to use this as the, uh, 
intelligent question of the day, but what is kind of the things that you would insert then to kind of help activate that rushing river, that flow of ideas and opportunities? I love what you said, ideas and opportunities, Um, because it's the creativity. Again, we're in Mm -hmm. the second half of 2032, so it's the activating that I do coupled with the applied mindfulness coaching that I do so that they can know how to work with creating the new pathway. That's, that's how we create that robust river of uh, creativity and new opportunities coming in. And then also the stuff I do in their field to open up their receptivity. So they're not closed down and thinking I have to go at this myself. I have to make it happen. I have to push harder, but instead, right. The opening up and, and having more support come in, which is how we're designed. My second book uh, the title is Vibrational Upgrade, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss. And this is part of why the title's that. Our systems are really designed, as I see it, as a conspiracy for our bliss. It just, it, it's like, in the veil stays down on that bliss until you've done a certain amount of growth and clearing away from the negative thinking. Gotcha. Or the dominance. Yeah. And I don't mean to say fight against negative thinking because it's natural to everybody's mind. One of the basic Brutus tenets that I love is every human mind is neurotic. And essentially what they've done is for 5,000 years, here are the tools with which to work with your own particular flavor. Huh. I like that. That's because yeah. I mean, I like how you bring up the point that, I mean, negative thoughts, emotions, whatever, maybe it's normal, right? A lot of people. Totally. Right. A lot of people think, oh, this isn't normal. What am I experiencing? Right. I should be happy, happy all the time. I'm like, no, it's like it's normal. Right. If you do that, the the thing is, you want to try to minimize that. I was going to say, honestly, it's such an important point that I wanted to interject it. That's why for the, the tools of yoga and meditation ever developed 5000 years ago was because negative thinking blocking ourselves, nothing outside of ourselves, just our own minds, blocking ourselves from more joy and more thriving and more health and abundance is able to be worked with. And mm-hmm. because the mind tends to be the way it is that I'm describing, that's why they developed the tools. So, I mean, it, it's like if basketball weren't possible, then the basketball would never have been created because the mind has a natural innate tendency to go negative and have negative thoughts Meditation was created 5,000 years ago, too. And it's more intense on our planet now. One of my, um, second, my second book, the one I already talked about, it has a subtitle, Easing Humanity's Evolutionary Transition. And my publisher knows my mission and knows what I'm up to. And he made me put that in there, and it's a mouthful. But 2012 to 2032 is not only the most intense time on our planet, it's also the most auspicious We We could be creating, and we are creating this great new era. So the more of us who get more clearer and more uh, creative capacities in a positive way, more activated, the better the new era is. I agree. I think this is one of the greatest times. Uh, A lot of changes happening, a lot of things that I think can be for the better, but only only we can determine that, right? Only we determine how that's going to turn out. Well, Dr. Allison, thank you for coming on today. I know you've mentioned your books today, and I know you help people on the side as well. So if anything kind of piqued their interest today, what's the best way they can get a hold of you, reach out to you, learn more about you, all that fun stuff. So, I mean, if you want to just reach me directly, support at allisonjk.com. Allison's with one L, J-K-A-Y. That's also my website, allisonjk.com and vibrationalupgrade.com. 
Facebook free group, Vibrational Upgrade, using my full name, that middle initial J on Amazon, because there's another Allison K not writing about what I write about. I have four books. Uh, Reasonable Dragons is the one on Audible. I'm on YouTube, full name. And that's a good start, yeah? Awesome. Sweet. Well, Dr. Allison, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you being patient with me as I try and work my way through this. And uh, I'm sure the audience uh, loved hearing what you had to say today. So thank you for taking the time to come on. Yeah, you did great, Josh. No worries. It was fun. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, everyone. As you can tell, that is Dr. Allison JK. She is a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I challenge you guys, if you liked anything you heard today, to reach out to her and she'll be happy to talk with you. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.